This is the Cherished You Podcast. I am your host, Rama. This is an evergreen content warning. Um, This podcast talks a lot about abuse and uh, trauma and surviving from both. Uh, We talk about narcissistic abuse. So please understand that if you are not comfortable with talking about those things and your mental health openly and honestly, maybe with not uh, so much polish, uh, this may not be the space for you. Also understand that uh, this ta- this podcast also tackles uh, societal issues of racism, capitalism, um, patriarchy, misogyny, whiteness. So if any of these I um, these topics trigger you, please feel free to leave this space and um, without comment and without any vitriol. Um, and that is perfectly fine for both you and I. Thank you. Hello, welcome back to the Cherished You podcast today. Um, just a heads up, I am recording from home for the next couple of weeks. So um, if it sounds a little echoey, I apologize in advance. It's just um, I've been having a hard time getting into the spot that I usually record at. So got to make do with what I got. Um, I'm going to touch on a few subjects over the next few weeks um, that are have been coming up a lot that I'm seeing with myself and some old clients have uh, kind of been getting in touch and I've been having these conversations with them too and I'm seeing it um, in generally like when I observe other people I'm seeing it pop up but I understand that a lot that a lot of people don't have language um, to really identify what it is that they're experiencing so I wanted to kind of put my own spin and perspective and insert myself into this conversation because I think it's something that gets lost um, and especially because it is misunderstood in a lot of ways it's hard to really know what you're looking at if you don't know what it is that you're looking at like you're going to describe it with whatever you know but it but it requires, and I think in this case, it requires a, a new language and a new way of identifying what it is that we're looking at um, because it's not as simple as, oh, somebody's having a bad day, which is something that I've heard come up, but I'll explain that in a little bit. Um, today's topic is neur- being neurodivergent, recovering from trauma, and then living in a white capitalist patriarchy. <laughs> So we're kind of going to, we're going to start pulling on a couple, like three, three to four threads of what, of stuff that I've already talked about in the past, um, to really kind of connect it together and why in the context of recovering from childhood trauma, you know, or trauma of any kind really, but narcissistic abuse, recovering from narcissistic abuse and why, when you add in way, the way our society is built and your own personal level of neurodivergence is going to impact how you experience your own recovery and how other people will experience you. Um, it, it goes both ways and it is, um, there's, there's a few people that I've seen who do kind of kind of thread this stuff together, which I think is really important. Um, there's more now than there were even a couple of years ago. Um, and like when I first 
figured out that I had um, higher levels of neurodivergence than I thought I did, um, I a lot of this language didn't exist in mainstream, you know, the way that, you know, most of us are scrolling through TikTok or Instagram for our, for our therapy <laughs> recently. Um, it, it just doesn't show up. And there's also not a lot of therapists who really understand how these things kind of converge together and make trauma recovery a little bit harder because, um, part of the process of being neurodivergent with trauma and then being neurodivergent, recovering from trauma in a white capitalist patriarchal society, how when all those things kind of converge together, your experience is so much harder because you have the expectations of what the world expects from you and then you have your own expectation of what recovery is supposed to look like and they don't match. You will end up um, disappointing somebody along the way and the choice that you have to constantly make is do you disappoint yourself or do you disappoint the people around you and when you're a neurodivergent coming from a trauma background it is so hard to understand how much people pleasing codependency a lot of these terms kind of get tossed around as if they're bad things, but we all kind of live on a spectrum of all these things and of all the things that I'm talking about. Trauma recovery is on a spectrum. Neurodivergence is on a spectrum. Codependency is on a spectrum. Uh, People pleasing is on a spectrum. All these things, they're not like on off switch. It's not, it's not either you are or you aren't. There's great gradients in between being one or the other. And what happens is that when you are neurodivergent, recovering from trauma, you have to wrestle with how much of myself am I allowed to expose in any given environment? This is another calculation that kind of comes up all the time. And there are some people who make, who, who just blanketly will be like, well, you see me when you earn it kind of deal, which is I will mask myself completely until I feel like you have earned enough trust from me to be able for, for me to expose myself in my true as as my true authentic self. Then there's those who choose to be authentic or what they you know what they are saying is and for them might be their authentic selves not giving a rat's ass about how anybody thinks of them. Most of us are going to fall somewhere in the middle which is it's it's either people dependent or situation dependent where you will have to negotiate how much of yourself how much of your authentic self is going to be present and in some situations there can't be any and those situations are harder and harder to get through because as you heal and you kind of move through all of your trauma responses and you kind of figure out, okay, that's a trauma response. That means this is the real me. And now I'm like, okay, well, sometimes you're going to have to tap into a trauma response in order to get through the day and understand that that's not really you. No, it didn't feel great, but the situation warranted that you not expose your true authentic self in that situation because it's not safe. And this is always kind of like the underlying thread that flows through all the work that I do, but also just anyone's ability to show up anywhere as themselves is how much safety is there in this situation? 
does this does this group of people does this person does this location does this um does this context create have enough safety for me to show up as me or do i have to negotiate what parts of me do show up and there is nothing wrong with having to be like okay well i work at x and x place and i can't be myself there and it's not necessarily because your coworkers or the, the people that you work for or you work with or um, customers or clients or however it works out. It, maybe that environment just doesn't allow you to be you. So you've got to mask it. Does that suck? Absolutely it does. Because A, it makes it hard for people around you to know who you are. Sometimes you yourself will forget who you are because you do it for so many, because we work, we all work so many hours. Um, when, you have it, when you're having to show up in a, in a role, in a um, character that's just going to help you get through the day, do you come home and remember to take off the mask? Do you remember to come home and reconnect with yourself to remind yourself, hey, I had to go, I had to go and do this today because it's not safe for me to show up there. Can I do things to maybe make it more safe for myself? Yes. But also safety is a very, um, it's kind of, it's a really delicate issue to work with because how much safety do you need? And is it possible to even have any, like enough safety to be able to show up as yourself at work? since we're using that as an example right now. And so there is this, we kind of have to understand if you are neurodivergent in recovery from trauma, you have to understand that you will, as soon as you step outside your door, as soon as you step outside of your healing bubble, you know, with your therapist, with your coach, with, you know, with your people, right? And you go out into the real world. The real world is a white capitalist patriarchy. It has expectations of how they want you to act. In order for you to have a seamless experience where you don't feel singled out, where you, where you don't feel uh, threatened, whether it's um, actually or just from your nervous system, there are certain expectations that a white capitalist patriarchy expects from all of us but we're because I mostly work with women, I'm going to be talking about women here um, and people who identify as such. It's really important to understand that if you don't adhere to these expectations, if you don't perform the way these expectations are telling you to perform, you will get hit with, in most cases, unjustified criticism for being who you are. Now, remember that in a context of being authentic, you will trigger people who are not, people who have bought into, and I apologize for my dog. You will end up hitting, you will end up getting hit with other people's um, rejection of you because you didn't show up the way that they expected you to. The way that everyone's been trained to show up, you didn't show up that way. How dare you? I am not allowed to be authentic. Your authenticity bothers me. Do not do that. 
And because I am bothered by your authenticity, I am then going to project my own insecurities onto you. The problem is that as a neurodivergent trauma recovery person, you are going to struggle with understanding whether that person's projection is actually a projection or is it true? Now, people can only perceive us to the level that they have, they can perceive themselves. So if you are getting hit with, if, if you are in contact with somebody who has done no work on their own trauma, so they have no idea, they are literally not even aware of all the different constructs that they have, they, are, they have subconsciously agreed to participate in, exist. They don't know those constructs exist. You do. You have made the choice now to show up authentically, even if it's not necessarily going to make people comfortable, because that's really what this is about. You, your ability to be uncomfortable in that moment, to show up as yourself in that moment, is going to trigger someone who doesn't even know that's an option for them. And by the way, this scenario is more, more common than you will think. And this, like for me, I know personally myself, I've, got, I've gone through this and I, I go through that on a daily basis because I am I'm in the camp of, you know, I am who I am, take it or leave it. And the, it's taken me years to get to that point because I went through phases. I went through phases where when I came, when I initially came out of my healing bubble and I, you know, I had some idea of who I was, but then all of a sudden I had to go back to, you know, relating with other people and I realized, holy crap, the abuse that I thought was confined to just my relationship with my parents or within my family is also the, all those abuse markers exist in the real world to a lesser degree, maybe, maybe not as blatant as all the time as it was with my family. Um, but it just still exists. I'm still expected to perform in a certain way to maintain people's comfortability with how they, um, how they feel around me. And that, so I went through all the phases that I actually just talked about. I went through where I was one person at work and I was one person at home. And if you knew me at work, you did not know who I really was. You didn't. If you saw me outside of work, you would have some idea of who I was depending on who I was with. And then um, I had like a half and half thing where I would kind of be myself, but only of the parts that I knew that really wouldn't mess with the status quo dynamic if I was at work or at school. And then, you know, I was who I was at home. And then now I've slowly become where I do pick and choose the moments as to um, how I'm going to present myself. And unfortunately, this does require a lot of mental power, which when you're neurodivergent, you really don't have enough of to begin with. And because, you know, your mind is going in, like there's so many other things that your mind wants to focus on. So they're kind of like these ping pong balls that are floating around in your head. And then all of a sudden I have to focus on this other thing here, which is how am I going to present myself? And I, I know that for me, if I don't say something then 
there is no, there's no like sub connotation that anybody has to kind of come up with. Uh, most of the time, my nonverbal communication has nothing to do with another person and absolutely everything to do with my own state with, with my own neurodivergence. It's usually like, am have I been overstimulated today? Have I not drank enough water? Am I just stressed out right now? Do I just need a few minutes, um, like uh, of a break so that I can kind of reset most of the time. My nonverbal communication has nothing to do with anybody else. It is mostly just about my inner workings of myself and my mind. But the one thing that I have changed over the years, which is actually very hard for people to understand is people who do not do this kind of work on a day in day out basis is that if I didn't say it, I didn't mean it. Like my, the words that come out of my mouth are exactly to the extent that I can best use to describe what is going on internally there. You don't have to read into anything. You can take me at my word because I am telling you to take me at my word. I make sure that that is the case. So I have, so, but the thing is that what's really normal is that people are trained. Most people who don't do this kind of work are trained to, they, they act out of their trauma. So they're trying to figure out, hey, is this person, they said this thing this way, they must be pissed off. But did they tell me they were pissed off? Oh no. But who tells you they're actually pissed off? I do. I will tell you when I'm mad at you. I will tell you when I'm irritated. And by the way, those are not the same thing. They may look the same to the untrained eye. They may look the same, but they are not the same thing. Am I stressed out or am I mad? They may look the same to you, but I know if I didn't say I'm mad that I'm, and I said I'm stressed, that means I'm stressed. It's not the same thing. But that's also because I have done a lot of work to be able to A, recognize what those feelings are within me, and then B, to learn the language to be able to clearly state what it is that's going on. Most people you will come across have not done that. So they will go and try to read into your no as if your no meant no, you bastard, or no, but I really like you, but I'm sorry, I had to, like, there's a whole thing. And people create the stories off of a word or a sentence or, or a shift of a head or a turn off of nothing. And this is the issue when you are in trauma recovery as a neurodivergent person, and then you have you get hit up with your trauma because white capitalist patriarchy is going to traumatize you just as much as your parents or your boyfriend or your husband did, whoever else it was, aunt, uncle. That narcissistic abuse is going to be just as traumatizing as it is when you walk into a white capitalist patriarchy and they expect you to do all of those things that you are trying to heal from. They want you to stay in that survival mode when you're trying so hard to get out of it. And another one of like the, it's, it's like appearance over authenticity. Like that is the underlying thing. Whether you're nice to some, like they would prefer you to be nice to someone's face and talk behind their back, but as long as to their face, you're not telling them what you really think. Because there is no accountability in the white capitalist patriarchy. You will get, you're, you're allowed to get mad at me for showing up authentically, but you yourself don't, and there's no, there's no way that I can go and, and say to you in a white capitalist patriarchy, hey, I'm not the one you have a problem with. You think I am your problem, I am not your problem. And 99% of people do not want to hear that, are not equipped to hear that without be getting defensive, getting angry, getting so pent up, so bent out of shape, 
getting their knickers in such a twist because you dare to show up as you and they don't know they can. The other thing with this whole context is that neurodivergence means that when you initially went through your trauma, that you are at a you have a higher likelihood of internalizing the stories of that trauma than a neurotypical would. Which is also why I think a lot of the people that I come in contact with, they don't, like, especially like with the clients that end up working with me, they, um, they, it takes them such a long time to even start doing trauma recovery because for, they don't um, recognize that what they have experienced isn't normal because they've been internalizing all of it. So at no point did it occur to them, wait a second, there's another option here. So you're more likely to internalize your, your, your initial trauma, the, the initial narcissistic abuse as a neurodivergent person. And also you're going to be more sensitive to the expectations of a white capitalist patriarchy as you're healing. So you will get hit with anxiety and, and like in my case and a couple of my clients I remember who go through this massive depression when they have to go and interact with the world. This is why so many of us don't. When we're healing, we don't actually interact with the world because it is so hard. It is so hard to balance your own recovery against a world that keeps telling you, oh, hey, you're doing it wrong. We need you to go back to that other thing you were because that was what we wanted you to be in the first place. This is not acceptable. This new on, you know, more secure version of yourself, more authentic version of yourself is not okay. Yet also you're told, hey, be authentic. Just be yourself. Yeah, but what if myself is not what you want me to be? I'm going to get penalized. I'm going to get penalized with whether, where I can live, how I can work, how much money I make, um, who, who listens to me, whether my ideas are heard, whether, my vo whether I'm allowed to have ideas, whether I'm allowed to voice my opinion. All of those things are affected based on a very superficial set of expectations of how I present to you and whether you think that is acceptable or not. As a neurodivergent person in trauma recovery, that is really, really hard to reconcile. And so we isolate. We look for our people on the internet. That's why a lot of us don't really have physical contact with the people that can most help us. Our community is online. And it limits, to a certain degree, while it helps us, I, while I think it helps us to have at least some contact with people who are like us. It does not take the place of what in-person community can do for us in our healing, in our just general well-being. If we had access to those people in our real life, to be able to go to a house a couple of doors down who, with people who are like you or similar to you going through what you're going through, who accept you as you so you can show up as you, and who can show you what having secure relationships feels like. That's really, really hard to do. And that's why we all kind of spend all of our time scrolling on our phones, because where else are we gonna find it? There might be a small chance in hell that we might find it online, but we're definitely most likely not finding it in our, in our backyard, quite literally. 
and so this is kind of like the whole thing that is a, that is a really unsaid struggle of healing from narcissistic abuse when the narcissistic abuse is everywhere because it is embedded in the way society is is currently constructed it's embedded in there and whether you call it that or not it's irrelevant but it's right there in front of you behave this way you will get rewarded and all this way is is all the traits of a narcissist it's not the flaw in the plan. It's the way the, the plan is constructed. And if you are going to go against that, there's not just the hurdle of having to recognize you were traumatized, learn on how to regulate yourself, learning on working through all that trauma that you actually went through, but then being re-traumatized a little bit each day, each time you step out into the world and you're like, oh crap, here it is again. And really, I don't really have anything beyond just... The whole point of this episode anyway is to give voice to that struggle because I think it's unsaid. I have, I go through it and I, I and I'm somebody because I spend so much time journaling and tapping and all this stuff, like when you're going through it, I have the ability to like, at least within myself to be like, okay, that's why this is happening right now. If I get hit with somebody's opinion of me, I'm, I can at least be like, okay, well, they're perceiving my my own like like I have I, I have resting bitch face I have for as long as I can remember but really it's not um because I'm angry it's just like I'm in my head I'm trying to figure out okay what's the next thing I need to do I'm learning as a neurodivergent to be able to function in a white capitalist patriarchy where that means I have to constantly keep track of my production so I'm always constantly having to think about okay what's the next thing I got to do what's the next thing I got to do what's the next thing I got to do and for people who don't know me, who don't understand that's what I'm doing, they will see my face in this, you know, in this, in what looks like, oh, she must be mad or angry or discontent or whatever. And they come up with all these stories of what's going on in my face rather than just asking, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Instead of asking a question, they make a statement based on their own experience with somebody else who may have had that face. And yes, it has nothing to do with me, but it does have to do with me once you pull me into it. And it's a really just annoying part of the healing process, which is like just understanding that the whole world is going through this. Like when you walk out your door and you're around people that you just can't stand. And I say this all the time. I love humans, but I hate people. Because humans as our species, as this, as the, the, Nature's intent when she created us is one thing. We have amazing abilities. But when we come together as a herd and we are trying to survive in a world that, is, that we constructed, that now is completely, um, is existence completely depends on our demise. And we're more concerned about making sure the system stays in place rather than making sure we stay in place. A whole different story for another day. But when you're giving that context, hey, you know what? It's much easier for me to look at your face, make up a story about it, and then just put you in a category rather than actually understanding who you are. Because I just don't have time for who you are. I don't have space in my life for who you are. And that's really, really hard. 
And that's also why when you come across people who do make the time and the space to know who you really are, we cling to them like it's our dying breath because it's so hard to find those people, especially in real life. So I hope that, I know this feels, sometimes I feel like I ramble on, the, on these episodes, but this is like something that's really been coming up a lot for, like I said, with some old clients who I've been talking to, and I was talking to some other people that, you know, not really actively involved in this kind of work, but, you know, they do their own kind of healing work in their own way. And, you know, we sometimes sit and compare notes with my friends and stuff, and I'm just like, it, this seems to be the thing that we're doing right now. This is what we're kind of coming up against. And I will have to check my... Um, sidereal astrology guide to see if there's something maybe with the planets that's causing this because I feel like when it when some when a particular theme shows up with everybody around the same time that I'm coming in contact with there's usually like a astrological reason that that's happening and um I'll have to go into why I use sidereal astrology instead of tropical but that's maybe a future episode I'll explain that why I do that but hopefully this at least gives if you're going through this right now hopefully this gives you some perspective and some language to kind of really understand that you're not, it's not like a figment of your imagination that this is happening. Like this is a real thing. Uh, thanks so much for listening today, guys. And I will be back next week with another episode until then. Um, stay true and stay safe. Thanks so much for listening to the Cherished You podcast. If you could please leave me a review, um, subscribe and share. It really helps get the podcast out to those who it will help the most.